Well, 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 here we go. It's 2020. We're back. It's Steve and George. I'm Steve Hussey. This is George Taylor. All right. And we're at the beginning of a new decade. Uh, we've been away for a while. I've been traveling. George came on a bit of my traveling with me. Uh, I did two months in Asia. And now we're kicking this off again, George. So let's not waste any time. What are we doing this on today, George? Uh, you're going to tell us about your holiday, Steve. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, holiday diary. Um, no, we're not going to do a holiday diary. What we're going to talk about is uh, the idea of travel and whether travel is good for you. Uh, some of the things I learned from traveling yeah, very, on my very own. Very much through the prism of your travels, I think. Of my travel. <laughs> some a of the jumping th- off point. Some of the things I learned traveling on my own for two months, something I've never done. I know, George, you did a long trip in Europe with your younger brother, so you've got some insight on this, right? I've done my, my fair share. I think we've we've been kicking a few ideas around. I think we felt bad that we've not been able to keep the... You know, we kind of committed to doing one of these a week, right? And we kept that up for maybe two-thirds of the year just yeah. under that and travel does make it you know limited wi-fi people in different time zones made it a bit harder for us to keep this up so apologies but um i think we're coming at this with resolutions for being able to be more um consistent in publication of of podcasts yeah we did well getting some momentum on the podcast last year uh, i'm happy we did it we got things going people have said nice things but now we're uh we're back, baby. It sounds a lot like one of my diets, Steve. You know, <laughs> a lot of momentum, some initial praise, some comments that it all falls by the wayside. And here we are just after Christmas, Starting 13 again. pounds heavier, 15 podcasts missing. <laughs> um, well, we've got loads in the can for you uh, that we'll be recording. So lots more to come. So Potentially even a name change and a genre shift, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about more, we'll talk we? about the great rebrand of 2020 <laughs> for the new decade. Um yeah, so travel. I think it's something that people talk about constantly. It seems that everyone on every app, uh, Instagram, dating apps, seems to talk about the fact they love travel. <laughs> so it's clearly it's clearly something people aspire to. It's something we all enjoy and get a lot out of. But I think it's nice to actually reflect on what travel does for you and whether it... I'm going to jump uh, in really yeah, quickly please. and say that when people talk about how much they love travel, it is certainly not the process of traveling, is it? It's being in another place and enjoying another culture. Right. Yeah, I think that's Sitting true. Sitting on a plane for 14 hours, waiting at an airport for another eight, not being able to have a shower, carrying bags. No one enjoys that side of it, right? Yeah. Well, that's well, that's a good jumping in point, George, because... I did this trip purposely to try and see quite a lot in one mm-hmm. gulp, as it were, rather than hang out in one or two places. So I went to Japan, which we talked about Japan, uh, Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Thailand, Vietnam. And that's obviously a lot. To, and I was traveling in between parts of those at times, like North and South Vietnam. And this was in two months. Uh, in two months, yeah. North, South Vietnam, Thailand, went to the Thai Islands, went to Chiang Mai, Bangkok. So a lot of schlepping up and down places. And if there was one thing just from the initial outset, I would say I, I wouldn't have changed it because I was happy to do it this time. But if I did future trips, I would try and do a little bit less and a bit longer in some places where it it can it's just the process of having to pack up your stuff get to another airport move in check into another place a hostel an airbnb it really does eventually like you it takes it out of you and it means you you know one thing i was happy i did in some places where i stayed in hanoi for a little bit longer 
suddenly I actually had time for like rest days that didn't have to be seeing things. And I know that sounds like a, a luxury problem to be talking about. Like, you know, you, you need extra time to rest on your trip. But I think um, appreciating the fact that even when you travel, you don't actually want to be 24-7 trying to have action-packed time. You know, if you tried that at home, you'd get exhausted. It's the same when you're away. Like having a bit of, I just now want to enjoy this place a bit and not have to go see things I should yeah. see. I think we should caveat maybe. So I, I joined Steve for the first two weeks. He was in Japan at the start of the trip. And for the time that I was there, we were both working while we were there. So Yeah, we got we got a little place in Tokyo together, didn't we? We, did. we, we got Snuggled we, up. We went to a place in Tokyo called Yotsuya, and we... Uh, we were sort of tucked away in a little quiet residential area, snug as a bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a small place, wasn't it? It was small. Everywhere in Tokyo is fairly small for your money, and we uh, we snuggled together. But yeah, it was jolly. I think, yeah, my point there is more that we were we had two weeks to get a, a semblance of what it would be like to live and work in that city over yeah. a period of time. It wasn't. I mean, we were very clearly tourists, but not in in the same way as. You mentioned the trip I did a few years ago with my brother when we went interrailing through Europe, and the MO of that trip was to hit as many countries as possible in, I think in three weeks we went to 13 countries, and it it's great and a real luxury to have been able to say, I've been to these places, I wouldn't maybe have gone to them as direct destinations, but travelling through them, you could pop in, but you get a very superficial impression of them, and you also get a bit maybe like weary like a kind of like repetition blindness or something yeah. like three or four quite grand imperial cities back to back tend to blend into each other and yeah there is a danger that that can happen whereas yeah maybe i spent one night in sarajevo but if i'd have spent you know five i'd have a much different understanding of it and i think we were fortunate or i was certainly fortunate to spend that time in tokyo to get a bit more of of the gist of a country and I think we are both very fortunate to be able to work from our laptops and have it wasn't a major upheaval in our lives to be able to go and do that that was quite a lucky thing yeah well we had some days where we would just get they have these things in Tokyo where you can essentially pay for these rooms to work in uh, and you kind of there was one with like loads of bean bags right and we were all spread out Uh, me and my brothers were there we just did our work for a day kind of took it easy but we're kind of being productive and that was nice to just be somewhere and be doing that so that was pretty cool um, my, my theory was that the uh, karaoke rooms would actually be better value just book a karaoke room and do your work and just there. sit there laptop that would be a very tokyo thing to see would be to see someone just sitting <laughs> with their laptop and do it yeah um that would be expensive though the karaoke rooms are quite expensive after, if you go only after the evening though during the day i think in the day yeah not too it's bad. a steal if you yeah. want to go at one in the afternoon yeah you'll clean up um yeah so it was um it was a real it, it does disorient you as well going to many different countries at once like you say they the impressions just keep coming at you thick and fast and you're trying to distinguish between like the specific culture where you are the places how many time zones did you move through um I haven't counted, George. I don't know. Many of them were f- just off, changing by an hour maybe mm. each time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was nicer when there were parts that were a bit wound down. But then by the, by the time I finished in Bangkok, there was there were, like, temples and things in Bangkok, and I was like, I've seen a lot of temples. Yeah. <laughs> it, some of them were stunning as well, beautiful. It's just like, I'll just snap some pictures of that mm. on my iPhone, just sort of kind of blearily walking through them, even though they were quite majestic and grand. Um, 
Yeah. So, but it does give you also this nice contrast. I think. I think the thing we I said about Asia to you, George, was like, you know, one of those things. I imagine people looking at Europe imagine. Europe must all be similar in its culture. And then when you know Europe very well, you know each country is very distinct. And that's what I felt about Asia, where you could just see it. You see it from the outside. It just seems like a big continent, quite homogenous. In you know, Just, again, from a very uh, sort of uninformed outsider's perspective. And then you go to these places and you see they just, they see things differently. They're very different food, very different way of thinking. I mean, we even um, append kind of broad cultural values to continents, don't we? But I don't know how true they actually are. Right, you know, yeah, yeah. We, you know, uh, yeah, that is how people perceive. Oh, Asia will have similar attitudes across those countries. Often they don't. Yeah, yeah. Same with Europe. South and North Europe are very different places in lots of different ideologies and approaches and religions and attitudes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things I was thinking about travel, I mean, have you have you ever had the experience? I mean, there's a lot of cliches about travel on there. And, you know, I, I think for me, the... The overrated, the overrated idea about travel, I think, is is some idea that it's going to change you, or that it's going to. I don't know if it's change is the word, but that you're you're going to have some very perspective shifting shifting experience traveling, and I think like perspective shifts happen very gradually. I think for me, it's more what it maybe what it teaches you about what you're capable of and what you can do. And in an independent, I did this all by myself. Kind of yeah, way. yeah. I think I think like a just learning. I think it's underrated. I think a lot of people when they travel, to me, it's like the perfect excuse to just learn as much as you can about a place quickly, rather than just like I'm going to have a nice experience and it's going to be nice weather and food and stuff. But even just taking the time to like read stuff about the place as much as you can, try and ask people there about the history. Like, that's something I hadn't done much before when I... I hadn't, like, gotten so... Anyone I talked to in in all these places, I would actually be much more inquisitive with the things I asked about the attitudes there, how they feel about different things going on in Asia right now. If it's like Hong Kong protests or what do they feel about this country? What do they think's the best thing about Vietnam that they're in? What's the worst thing about living in Vietnam? And I asked things like that, very direct questions that I didn't usually used to ask before. And I found that people are very happy to talk about to be to an outsider about their country and the way they see it and the way they see things and i think that's a thing i thought wow this is a really underrated way to gain information just by the the things you actually ask someone uh that probably a lot of people when they travel don't do and like there was something interesting in vietnam sometimes people would stop me and just say especially around hanoi and they'd say can I speak English with you for a while? Like, are you English or do you speak English? Just on the street. Yeah, yeah. And wow. it's a, can I speak English or practice my English with you? And, uh, you know, I think I think Vietnam at the moment is quite forward thinking in terms of wanting to be quite open to, you know, having people travel there. It's and quite see a tech it. hub, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's quite forward thinking, a bit entrepreneurial. And, and people were like, wanting to talk to you. Where are you from? What do you do? Why are you here? And 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 uh, yeah, just being able to ask them questions. I think people enjoy that opportunity to teach you about where they're from. Uh, so that I found cool, and it's interesting to hear like different people's perspectives. Um, yeah, the thing I was saying is maybe overrated is this idea. People think like oh, if you go away on your own, it like you know 
it changes you and you're going to like, you're going to, I think everyone has this romantic idea. You're going to come back different and fundamentally shifted. And I, maybe you, what, what I notice you do get, and I've done plenty of times I've traveled alone to like, maybe I've gone to New York or something to do some work. But the thing, the thing about this was it was just a trip in a very foreign culture to me on my own. And what it does give you is a kind of confidence mm. And I noticed even just, I feel like I'm fairly confident anyway, but just in the ability to handle strangers, different situations, suddenly realizing you don't even have a fallback person to kind of, oh, I'll defer to you to make all the decisions on this, or I'll defer to you to deal with this because I'm like tired. Or Suddenly you have to, if you're on your own, it's like I have to manage this whole day situation. This unexpected thing happens where there's this delay or problem or... You know, I showed up in Vietnam to this tour uh, around these rice fields, very rural area. I was getting on an eight-hour train overnight to go there, and they said, well, no one else is coming, so you're going to be doing this on your own Mm -hmm. with, you know... And and it it was a very unusual experience because I was in the middle of rural Vietnam. No real way... I didn't... I was in the guide's hand completely. I didn't know where I was. I just thought, like, I'm really got to keep my faculties and know what I'm doing here because I've got no one to sort of oh, you you figure this out. Yeah. Um, and there's a confidence to that, don't you think, when you have to deal with those things? A hundred percent. I mean, the whole time we were, we were, I was there, we were together. But even so, if you're in an environment where you can't really read any of the signage or anything, being able to just navigate the underground, it's like, oh, we did that. that you get positive reinforcement yeah, from overcoming yeah. these small barriers and you're not going to know any more about it than I am or vice versa. So it's not like necessarily being paired up gives you that much more of a crutch, but... That is definitely quite a, like edifying experience, I think, being able to, oh, we got through Tokyo and got to the other side of Tokyo. I just flew halfway around the world. Wow. But, yeah, it's a nice thing to yeah, be able yeah. to do. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it... I think you do change. It does change your perspective, travelling. I don't think it's the kind of Instagram sunrise life-changing moment Right, that it's pitched as like, like a, a massive spiritual revolution yeah, in I, a spiritual revolution. I, I don't see that, but um, and I I would agree with that if maybe you're doing more like aid work or you're going to somewhere in a culture that yeah you know, you're yeah that's for right medicines on frontier or something you know and you see a world that's very different from your own. I can understand that, but like frankly, living in London and then going to Tokyo for two weeks, they're both very you know up, <laughs> right. up high level economies. They're essentially similar in their outlook yeah. broadly. Um, I don't think there's a huge perspective shift overall there, but the way that you just you gain insights into other people's perspectives, you hear other other voices, other ideas. A nerd that I am, obviously, I've read a lot of books about Japan, read around it. It's a really great jumping off point to just learn more ideas about a place, right? And then contextualize those things. If you've seen a lot of Japanese films but have never been there starts to make a lot more sense when you sort of put those pieces together and I think that that can change your perspective yeah because yeah. otherwise you're you're kind of uh, I don't know yeah you're seeing it through a prism and actually being there and embodying it you get like you say talking to people kind of on the ground quote unquote and yeah getting yeah the day-to-day understanding is is meaningful and I think if you're fortunate to be able to do that fairly frequently or have multiple experiences like that when they all add up together you get this more more global picture of how how people sort of relate and interact with each other i think yeah and you i i think it's um yeah you get a lot more nuance to your view and and i i find unless i feel something 
with my senses and my hands like sort of get my hands dirty so to speak I don't have a great I just don't have a proper impression like again like you say I've read stuff but it's like I need to sort of touch and feel and smell it myself to Mm. sort of see what it actually feels like and uh another thing it, it makes me you know there was a thing I was listening to by the economist Tyler Cowan who talked about travel he's a very avid traveler and and big proponent of using it as a vehicle for learning but you know he talked about the fact that we all just have such a status quo bias and even even with travel this is something i've noticed where just making yourself do something that is a little bit um like for example even traveling somewhere new we always have a status quo bias to like even return to a place we've already been or mm. something that's like something we've already done like i chose on my trip just to you know say doing that that middle bit of rural vietnam like it was kind of like a bit grueling at times i was doing this trek i stupidly overloaded my backpack i was walking a lot through the day it was probably it was like the hardest and in some ways the most like not day moment to moment pleasant part of the trip but because it was sort of like very out of the wheelhouse of what I would have just... I would have just been comfortable strolling around the city more or whatever. But because I had this eight-hour overnight train, it was like, you know, quite a sort of strange uh, otherworldly experience. And, like, you're in this village with a tribe or whatever. It was just... um, Yeah, I I find that's where... When you overcome those things, that's what kind of shifts your perspective on what you can do and you sort of see something much more out of the ordinary. And the the status quo bias thing is like, for example, no one I know has ever been to Taipei. Because obviously Taipei is a place lots of people have been, but like it's not one of the more popular tourist destinations. And I just kind of had seen one program about it and it looked really cool. It has these great food markets, night markets. And I thought, I'm going to go Taipei on my trip. And it was just... Again, it's just such a temptation because you've heard people going to Tokyo, Vietnam, Thailand or whatever. You think, well, I'll just do them. And and just even adding that one in, it turned into one of the most cool places I'd ever been. It was totally interesting. It felt a bit more untrodden. And it was, yeah, I met really cool people there. Saw, yeah, just saw fascinating things. And it's just like, if you just do something that isn't quite... Yeah, you just have a bias towards the status quo and the things you've heard before and things you know before. And I think just a chance to even shift like 5% in another direction gives you a lot. Well, I think it's something that concerns me again, like a very sort of luxury problem to have. But you'll, you'll go to a place that maybe friends have been or family's been to or you're going somewhere yeah, or they're going somewhere you've been before. And there is that, oh, have you got any recommendations, any tips? And part of me is always worried that you kind of distill the same trip to everyone. Oh, if you're going to Japan, you need to eat at these three restaurants, <laughs> stay at this hotel. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of pull a few of those things from a few different people and then they'll recommend it and it becomes this almost archetype trip of if you're only there for four nights, you need to do these exactly. things. Which is... We, we talked about it a lot when we were there, right? With your brothers as well. There's that dilemma of if you're only here for two weeks you probably want to have the best piece of sushi you can have because you might never come back. So you will go to that place that's been recommended, but you also want to have the organic experience that is the sort of Instagram travel experience that is stylized and not at all true, but how travel appears it should be. And there is, you're kind of wrestling with both of those things. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't mean this as a slight. We, ha, we, I think we had slightly different approaches. Like you would, 
you would Google a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I would walk around and look like right. And we got you found some amazing restaurants, right? So I would never have eaten at those if you hadn't checked them on Google. Right. I, I walked this way. I wouldn't have been able to learn how to get through the underground if I didn't look at things that way. So there's kind of there's really good evidence for both things being yeah, effective, yeah. and it's like we've got all these amazing technology tools that we can use now. They open up the world in ways that we couldn't before. We were sat in that bar, right? Do you remember we were sat at the the Yakitori place where there was the the mum and daughter next to us, and we were like having a full conversation using Google Translate. Like, what should we order? What are you right, having? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. do you do? And it's like four years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. And like that technology suddenly, you know, the people we like follow on Instagram now, you know, it's kind of amazing how you can have these kinds of experiences. But the, the the organic nature of it is kind of reliant on technology and that technology sort of perpetuates a homogenous experience. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, it de- technology definitely frames travel in a much more yeah. strong way than it ever would have previously. And it does, yeah, I, I do sometimes worry about if it, if it has a homogenizing effect. And so you kind of go for this, like you say, mixed approach where you do, yeah, I, I like to see what, people are saying is amazing but you also have to be a little bit some places you immediately see and you're like oh this is a bit there was a place in vietnam in a place called hoi an which you know is frequently visited by tourists anyway but it's like famous sandwiches right vietnam has is famous for the really good bread the sandwiches um and uh yeah, it's it's like there's one that was like this big pick, I think, at Bayanti Bourdain at the time, and just people are just there all the time. Crap. And it it is really great sandwich. It's yeah. really good. But you're also aware I'm participating in just this has become its own thing and because it's its own plenty thing. Of other great and there's obviously amazing right? places around. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh and you know, that's why it was useful sometimes. I, I got so fortunate where I got, you know, I'm I'm at, People, uh, you know, someone in Korea kindly showed me around. Someone in, uh, my friend in Hong Kong uh, took me on a hike. I would have not gone on a hike Mm. in Hong Kong. Um, And uh, in Taiwan, someone reached out to me through Instagram and in Taipei went to markets and she was sort of just showing me some of the things, like just certain things I wouldn't have even looked up. It's like, let's go eat this oyster pancake in this strange little shop. I just wouldn't have gone in there. So... There are these kind of shortcuts you always get if you talk to and know people. Um, yeah, so it is a. I, I think those must see type things. It does get tiresome to, you know, more and more as I've gotten older. I do. I try and just pick what's the thing that actually sounds like something I'd like to see, rather than just a checkbox of. There's 10 things in this city to see. It gets very exhausting. Whereas, like, even if you you went to New York, right, I'm sure there's lots of cliches everyone does, but you don't... Do you need to go see, like, four museums in New York? I don't... I don't think you do on a trip to to New York. Yeah, you you live in London. You don't go to four museums in London, right? So I think what's actually that I think we did quite a lot on this trip, at least while we were together, and probably because we were working while we were doing it, is in our day to day lives at home. We go to coffee shops a lot, sort of, you know get something to eat we lived that life but in tokyo we went to the coffee shops in tokyo it was like we transplanted yeah, what yeah. we would do normally with a bit more temple visiting but it wasn't completely go up go up this tower do these things that are so out of a normal day to day and i think that was quite 
quite a nice way to approach things. Whereas when I did my interrailing trip with my brother, it was like, we've got 24 hours in this city, no time to go to a coffee shop, run to that monument, get that tour of the parliament, move on. And yeah. I think if you're someone who really likes going to art galleries and that's what you do at home, being able to transplant yourself to another place and do that is quite an interesting thing because you've got a reference point and seeing how another culture would present yeah, yeah. art or things. I think that's actually a really interesting way into a society rather than how do they set up a big tourist event yeah, big, yeah. you know, to maximise money, get as many like bums on seats or whatever they have. So I think that's quite a nice thing if you've got like a, a set perspective of how your life normally is, being able to experience the same things but in a different place gives you some really interesting insights. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's right. And um, Question for you. Did you find it energising or exhausting, your travels? That's a good question. Before um, and after I left. <laughs> I I think there were a, there were middle bits where I was I was exhausted and I was like I was feeling like oh man I can't believe I've got to go to another like I've got to leave and go to another place now. big time zone difference as well yeah yeah and so like you know certain bits were really nice where in Chiang Mai I spent like a week there and it was really relaxed and that felt like a completely different vibe to the rest of it where I was getting to just sort of mooch around a bit, eat some nice Thai curries, sort of have a... There was not pressure because there wasn't, like, so much to see. Um, so that was really nice, a nice part of the trip. Um, I Yeah, I think that was energising. I think, I think having the sort of rhythm, like, down is good, like having bits of ebb and flow where you get tired but then have bits that are relaxing. If you've got the luxury to do that, then I think it really helps... Do you think you will be doing more travel on the back of having done that trip? Has that, you know, made you want to do more or have you had your fill for a while? Oh yeah, I definitely definitely want to do more now. I don't I don't think it it sated some urge where I felt like I ticked. It wasn't a tick box thing for me, but I do think for some people that's like I've knocked that off mm. and that's, you know, that's good for me, but I think, I think I think I think for me it's like a it's, it needs to be a constant thing where I, I just feel like there's a lot I still want to learn from many places. Yeah, I think because I did two weeks in Tokyo, right, it was a lot more contained. Mm -hmm. We went to Kyoto as well. But if I was never able to go to Japan again, there's an element of me that can say, well, I ticked that box and we kind of maximised the trip. Yeah, yeah. Got the most from it. If I were to never go again, I've got something from it and I've got yeah. an idea. But I'm also energised to think I want to go back and experience more. I think then my question is more, are you motivated to do more travel where it is? I've been there, I've ticked that off, I've seen those things. Or is it you want to spend three weeks enjoying the coffee culture of Colombia, kind of, you know, living your day-to-day -day in a new environment? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I think the only other one where I want to do a, maybe a bit more of a skip through different places would be a Europe trip, hmm. only because I feel there's a guilt we've talked about this before but i feel there's a guilt where there's many european cities and places i haven't seen i don't feel the need to just run through all the big cities though because eventually it's like running through an airport like if you go to i don't know poland or czech republic or hungary or you know all these places you are just going to feel like you're jumping in the same place they're all going to be pretty much the same aren't they well i think i think the the advantage of 
Europe is often that you can do it by train, right? And that's one of the great things about that interrailing trip that is available if you're in Europe is that you can travel through it without having to be bogged down by airports, which yeah. are always kind of the arse end of a motorway and they're not a particularly pleasant place to be. Whereas taking the train, the train that pulls into Budapest from Vienna, it's like a really amazing thing to get to do. And that there is actually something about the thing I said at the start about the process of traveling is not that enjoyable traveling by train over Europe is actually quite a nice thing to do because you've got the scenery of the trip and you can often combine sleeping on the train with where you're going probably a bit like you did in Vietnam but um, that is where I did get that yeah like kind of fatigue of the cities once you've done four or five cities where they're not that far apart and they're architecturally similar culturally kind of yeah similar. and you're doing the same thing they're all white them. marble there's some gold roof see a gothic cathedral and yeah. a museum there is there is a kind of element of that i think it's it, you could apply it to asia couldn't you as well it's like the sort of edward saeed nightmare of like the western guy marching <laughs> right. through asia and going that's the same as that's the same as that's the same <laughs> There is an element of that depending on how you approach the travel. But I think if you bed yourself into a place for a little while, you're not going to have that. But the scale of some cities, with all the respect in the world, if you're you're just wanting to get an experience of the cities, only, you know, got a population of 100,000 people. Yeah, you can There's get, only so much you can do, right? You can get a flavour in a few days. Yeah. I, um, I just think, it, yeah, if I was going to... I would like to do somewhere I actually, you know, yeah maybe bedded down a bit longer or just went deeper on mm. less and just just was like i'm actually gonna go deeper on a very specific region in chile and just kind of see that but you know what we could we lived in london together for three years we lived in west london very specific very like like arranged archetype of that part of london if you went and lived in greenwich or went and lived in angel you'd have a completely different right sort of experience where you get you can change your perspective and outlook by moving three streets along almost. Yeah. So being able to do that internationally gives you just that much broader. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it comes back to that status quo thing I said where I, I want to explore more because I feel, again, there's just you always just have these biases to the things you've already done. And so it can often mean you're there's many places you haven't seen that you haven't been exposed to that might you know even just being open to i'm pretty open geographically to where i live and and even just being open to maybe that there'll be a culture that completely surprises me and i think like this is a place i could stay a long time and you know those things are just interesting to me to just question your assumptions or just see things that you've already taken for granted what your opinion will be um some places don't surprise you and you have an impression and you go there and you think, yeah, that isn't a place I'd like to live or my initial feeling about that was right. But mm-hmm. you definitely get these things that are like amazing surprises that you can then come back and say, God, you've got to go there to people. And, you know, it's it's exciting when you make new discoveries. It's like reading a book that you would never read and getting excited about yeah. a new writer or an author. Like that um, we have to bring everything back to an analogy about to reading. reading a book. Um, the, one, the one other thing I want to talk about is um, boredom and loneliness. Our listeners will know a thing or two about that, Steve. <laughs> so, strap yourself in. Um, because I think those are two elements of travel that don't get talked about very much. And, you know, obviously travel has many stimulating, exciting moments. But when you travel for a long time, it also... Uh, maybe boredom isn't the right word, but but it it's not always a peak experience. There's There's moments that are 
can be a bit of a grind. There's moments that can be a little bit monotonous or certain experiences you don't really, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I kind of want this to be done now. I'm not sure I care that much for this place. And that's part of the, that's part and parcel of being open to new things is you're also open to disappointment as well as surprise. And, you know, I was traveling alone. I was very fortunate in that there were people I was able to speak to. Some people just got in touch through me doing Instagram stories. They said, hey, let's, you know, I'll come show you this place. Um, but sometimes I was like on my own for a couple of days or longer, like three days, kind of just wandering about on my own, uh, not talking to many people. And that I'm very introverted. So that's not too difficult for me, but it does get to a point where you're like, wow, I've, I really have to make a bit of an effort to go meet some people here because, you know, you're not going to just be on your own for like two, three weeks. You, it, so it's, it's a plus and a minus. It does, it does spur you on where like, I just ended up talking to someone where I got breakfast in Taiwan. We went for a walk, strolled around, like just hung out for half a day and it was great. It was like, mm. this is a really cool, unusual experience. It's something you would never have, do in London. No, no. And, never go and for a walk it was just someone. like, oh, do you want to go to that, that, that garden together? Yeah, that would be cool. Um, and it, that was great. So I was very fortunate, but there are times where you, if you're going to try new things, and I, I think people get scared of this because some people find their own company very frightening or they find the idea of, you know, how am I going to make it through if I don't speak to anyone very frightening? And there were moments where I touched down in places and think, I don't know a soul here and I've kind of might need to like figure this out. Um, and it's, uh, if you ever do it, just kind of push through that and know that, you you will you know even if you even if you go a day or two just kind of feeling a bit aimless you go in places i went in some jazz bar the first night i got to korea like didn't speak to anyone just watched some jazz kind of just went back to my room but the those moments do come those moments of like serendipity or when you actually try and talk to someone you go on a tour you end up chatting to the people on that like you can always find a thing where you know it even if you don't just suddenly strike up conversation in a bar, there's always a thing where you can like, there's a group meeting here to go for drinks tonight. There's, if you Google, there's like, there's a meetup thing. There's a group tour of this area. There's, there's, also- there's some way you can like mingle with people, chat to them. Some things go somewhere, some things don't. Some people are cool, some people are not, but you you can always like find that if you're searching it out you can also just take the reassurance from the fact that when you're at home often you don't see or speak to anyone for a couple of days at a time it's not like a a rare state but do it? many people experience that i'm sure a lot of people have co-workers every day they chat to people every okay you in know, that sense. But, you know family you could, or friends if you live alone you spend the weekend at home you might go a couple of days by yourself yeah it's, that's true it's not that alien that oh i'm in korea and for one night i didn't see anyone you right know, no, no 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 but what i'm saying is that there shouldn't be necessarily this extra expectation that oh when i'm traveling i need to be out and buzzing yeah and yeah around because day to day you're not at a party every night no you know? so you i think people can place like added expectations i think this is what we were saying earlier about like doing your day-to-day in a different place if you expect to be at a party every night you're putting all these extra demands on yeah, yourself yeah. right so that could maybe skew actually you're just there to experience some culture yeah but i, I do think for some people even the the idea of like i Several times I just went to restaurants and just I'm obviously like sitting down eating dinner for one. And it's like, yeah, you you do just totally get used to that. But for some people, I think that's an extremely uncomfortable 
experience. Like I, I know people who would not travel alone mm. for that reason, or they'd think, "How am I going to manage it?" But you, you do, and you do. Uh, you, I think that's one area where I surprise myself as someone who I don't need loads of social contact, but being able to like muster it up when I need to. And actually make friends and you think that's know something people. you learned about yourself. It's just trip. it's just like oh I can I can make that happen right. when I need to like I can actually you know get talking get someone like hang out and so it's uh it's nice to know that you're capable there and you're not just adrift if you go somewhere on your own. Um, so, uh, something I saw on Instagram the other day, Steve, uh, to make a tenuous connection to my time living in Denmark, is the head chef of the restaurant Noma, Renny Redzepi, uh, put up an Instagram post that their company, uh, if you've been working for them for about three years, they're now giving people three months off and encourage them to travel just to kind of broaden their horizons, get some new perspectives and re-energise themselves. And I thought that was a really interesting thing, mm. that a, com- a very nice reward and... Um, that they clearly put value on people gaining different perspectives. Obviously, they're a restaurant. I suppose they like sourcing foods and ideas from different places. But I thought that was like really fascinating. And he was in Japan. He's the first, <laughs> lucky enough for him, the first person in the company taking the three months off and going on holidays, the CEO, whatever. But um, <laughs> but he was in Japan. I thought that was just like an extra nice little right. little nod that he thought that was a good place to go to kind of energize and get some new perspectives. But yeah, I thought yeah. That, was, that was a cool insight. Um, and me and my younger brother are heading to China at doesn't some stop, point. That doesn't stop, does it? In spring this year, so we're going to dip back into Asia one more time. <laughs> um, Beef bowls for the boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see what China has to offer. But, uh, yeah, so... One book recommendation from me, if I could? Yeah, please. Lost Japan by Alex Kerr. Uh, I read it on the plane on the way to Tokyo, and it was a fantastic insight into parts of the culture I wouldn't otherwise have had and would recommend it to anyone interested in Japanese things from um, a slightly Western perspective. Yeah, I mean, you read, you got me that book and it was wonderful. It was very interesting. It's about 200 pages, so it's not a big demand. Yeah, either. yeah. Yeah. Um, well. That about does us, does it? Yeah, I think that about cooks us for now. Um, if you... Uh, if you want specific recommendations in any of those countries mentioned, uh, I have many in all of them. So you can send me a send me an email or a tweet uh, at Stephen H Hussey. Um, it's fair to say we're back, though, Steve. I think we are back and rolling, mm-hmm. and you can feel the energy in the room. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. That's it for now. But I think we've got got some interesting things to come and uh yeah look forward to more podcasts through 2020 um all right well wherever you are in the world friends and we know you're in many places in the world because we see the countries list on soundcloud and it's overwhelming hopefully one day we'll travel to all of you (laughs) um bye for now and see you real soon thank you